Uh, but we kicked off a new message series a couple of weeks ago called Get Your Life Back. Get Your Life Back. And the goal of this series is to give us a strategy uh, for living the life that God has called us to live and kind of pulling ourselves away from the busyness of the world and all the noise of the world and, and putting ourselves in position to live the life that God has called us to live. Um, and so we're going to continue that today. I, I think there's so much vying for our attention and time. There's so many things in place today designed to distract us and, and, and keep us from being and living the life that God wants for us. And so I think that if we're going to live the life that God has called us to live, and we're going to be the people he's called us to be, we've got to get intentional, and we've got to reprioritize some things in our life. We need to let go of some of the things of the world so that we can, like we sang about today, so that we can make more room uh, for God. And again, I just want to take a minute and plug the book, Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. I began reading that book at the beginning of this year, and it was so impactful to me. And so really, it was, it was what I learned from that book, what the Holy Spirit taught me through reading that book that kind of birthed this series. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, grab that book because it gets way, way, way uh, deeper into building a strategy uh, for your life to be successful, to live the life that God has called you to live. Can you guys bump those uh, house lights up for me a little bit? That would be great. It's kind of a, yeah, there we go. It's kind of like a twilight haze. I was like, is it, what time is it? You know, I don't, you know, I don't want to be rushed. So I'm going to take our time right here. We're going to take our time and just enjoy God today. But anyway, if you haven't gotten the book, I want you to do that. And uh, before we get into the word today, let's pray and ask God to speak to us. Let's pray and ask God to speak his word to us today because there's nothing more important than the word of God. And the word of God is about to go forth. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for your presence that's already here, that's already in this place, God. We give you praise and thanks, Lord. Because you're the reason that we've gathered here together today. It's to see you, it's to worship you, and it's to hear from your word. So Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go forth in power today as your word goes forth to save, heal, and set free. Minister to us from your scripture today, God. We give you thanks and praise for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me ask you, have you noticed how noisy the world has gotten today? I mean, seriously, I, I want to see a show of hands. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, by the time you get out of bed, you already have multiple text messages or emails waiting on you, vying for your attention? Come on, raise your hand if that's you. You look at your phone and there's text messages, there's emails there waiting for you. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you, when you get up, the first thing you see is some sort of headline or notification on your phone that's saying, hey, you should click on this, you should look at this, you should check this out. Okay, how many of you, if you sit down to read your Bible, or you sit down to pray, you find yourself distracted at least more than once with a text message or an alert of some kind, an update, some sort of headline on your phone. Let me see your hands if that's you. You sit down to pray, you sit down to read your Bible, and all of a sudden your phone starts going off. Look, yeah. How, how many of you have looked at your phone at least once since I started talking? Y'all, some of y'all are lying, and this is God's house. I'm just saying... You're like, I'm taking notes, Pastor. Okay, all right, I'll give you a pass on that one. But listen, it is so hard to find time with Jesus, to find time with God that is undistracted. I've had to start doing this in my own life. If I sit down to pray or read my Bible or study uh, for a message, I have to turn my phone off 
Because inevitably, the minute I sit down and God begins to speak to me, I start getting text message, text message, text message, alert, alert. Hey, you should look at this. You should see this. And I've had to absolutely turn my phone off or keep it in another room. This morning, I got up early to, to just spend time with the Lord. And I, I did something that I usually don't do. I, I usually just turn my phone off. But I left my phone upstairs in my bedroom. And I came down to the basement. I got as far away from my phone as I could because I wanted to have just completely undistracted time with the Lord. And that worked out great until Olivia woke up. She's our one and a half year old. And then, of course, there's nothing but distraction. But we, we've got to sort of get intentional about this if we're going to find ourselves living the life that God has called us to live. The truth is we live in a very distracted world. And my concern is if we don't do some intentional things to begin to push back against it, it's going to consume us and rob us from experiencing the full life that God created us for. And see, that's what the devil is up to in this generation. Remember, his entire goal, his strategy for you is to still kill and destroy the life that God has called you to live. And he'll use whatever he can to try and do that, whatever he can to distract you, whatever he can to try and destroy and steal the life that God has called you to live. But Jesus has a goal for us too. He said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, while the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, he said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. See, because of Jesus, we can live a life of victory over the thief. Because of Jesus, we can get our life back. But in order for that to happen, we've got to get back to living our lives his way. And that means that we've got to offload some things that are getting in the way of us living our best life. I want you to think about it, how sneaky it is of the devil. And this is so typical, Satan. You know, He, he, he puts an attention-stealing machine in the palms of our hands all the time. If you want to be distracted from something that you should be focused on or you should be doing, the only thing you got to do is pull out your phone. And I promise you, you'll find something to distract you. It won't take long to do it. Now, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying today because I'm not suggesting that we, uh, you know, just stop using phones and we get rid of our phones and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, we go back to like a rotary dialer where we're like, hello, operator, are you there? You know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting we go back like years ago and we stop using technology. You know, th this technology they give us, it gives us a lot of really useful things. This thing is very useful. Our phones are great, but if we're not careful, we'll spend most of our time throughout the day just sort of zoned out, simply staring at our phones and missing out on the life that God has called us to live. I saw a stat a couple of weeks ago, and I, I mentioned it in the message, but the stat said that on average, the average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. That's amazing. And listen, it's far worse for Android users. It's way worse. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's not enough data to collect for Android users, so we really don't know what that's about. Just kidding. Here's another one. Americans consume, on average, over 10 hours of media every day. I'm not talking about sitting in front of a computer and staring at a screen and spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about media. I'm talking about TV shows and, and, uh, and social media and, and news cycle on your phone. Over 10 hours of media every single day. You know what that is? That is nonstop noise when we're awake. It's coming in. Our souls were not made to endure that kind of barrage of input and information every day. 
I mean, let's rewind the clock back 50 or 60 years ago to get news and information. Some of you, that was your prime. But to get news and information 50 to 60 years ago, you had to wait on a newspaper delivery, right? You had to wait for the little, the little dude on his bike to, hey, Mr. Wilson, and throw the, throw the newspaper in sometime. And, and then you had to take the time to read it. You couldn't just get a headline. You had to read the whole, you had to read the newspaper. You had to read the news to find out what was going on in the world. And then rewind back like 30 or 40 years ago, when I was a kid, things were way different. Pretty much every house had a TV and we had something called the evening news. Come on. The local and national news. Local came on at six o'clock. The, the, the national news came on at 6.30. And this was an every night tradition in my house. We would eat dinner together as a family. Then we'd go to the living room and my dad would sit in the recliner in front of the TV and we would watch an hour of news. It didn't matter what you wanted to watch. It didn't matter that you wanted to watch something else. You know, we were going to watch the news and my dad would talk back and forth to Dan Rather as if he was in the studio with him. He's like, well, that's exactly what you want us to think too, isn't it? You know, stuff like that. And it was just great. I, I love the way I grew up. But the, the, the news was something, it was a major thing in our house. And you had to wait for the news to come on. You had to wait for six o'clock. And then you had to, whatever news you got was what they wanted you to hear. You were limited to what they told you. And by the way, the news they covered back then is a lot different than the news they cover today. Rewind the clock back 20 years ago. The internet became a thing, and it was available in most households because everybody kind of had a household computer, maybe in the living room or whatever, and we were learning to use the internet. Come on, America Online. How many AOL? How many of that was your first? That was your first. Carmen still has her AOL email address. I'm not kidding. She still uses it. AOL. And, and you know, to, to get online with America Online, you had to wait. You had to dial up. It took like seven minutes. And all these funny noises were going off. How many remember? You know what I'm talking about. And then you finally got on and you'd hear this voice that says, you've got mail. You remember that? But it took time. It took time to get the news. And then you'd go to a website and you'd have to wait for that thing to load. And it was like segments every couple of minutes. I got really good at solitaire. I was waiting on websites to load. But you think about all of that, and you think about where we're going and where we've been and where we are today, and things have changed so much over the years, but they've changed so much just over the last few years. The time that we're living in now, historians call it the information age. The information age. Never in human history has information and news been so readily accessible and so quickly available. Side note, I, I believe this information age that we're living in today was foretold in biblical prophecy in the book of Daniel chapter 12. And by the way, if you want to know what I think about uh, the end times and what the Bible says prophetically, you need to join my life group because we get into that kind of stuff in life group. But Daniel chapter 12 verse 4, this is what the Bible says. It says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. And then he says, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. I'm going to read that again. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. 
For many are going to run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Another translation says knowledge is going to greatly multiply. People are going to run from here to there, and the knowledge is going to just increase and multiply on top of each other. I believe that we're living in that day now. We're believing because we're living in this in this day and age because of information technology. These are unprecedented times where information is readily available and it's multiplying on top of on top of information before you can even process one bit of information. There's another thing that you need to process, and it's creating this unprecedented pace in our life. In Jesus' day, people lived their entire lives, and they never traveled out of their hometown. Most of them never traveled more than 30 miles away. Think about that. Think about living your entire life in Colorado Springs and never leaving this city. And you're like, I, I, I've heard that there's, a, there's a, a, a place up north called Denver, but I don't know if it's really there or not because I've never left town. You know, that's what it was like. It reminds me of this good old boy from Alabama that I heard about years ago. He won uh, a, a trip on a, uh, on a radio show. He was like the fifth caller and, you know, he won the trip and the radio host, the announcers went to his house to pick him up in a limo and take him to the airport and he got to bring somebody along. So, of course, he brings his girlfriend and he comes out with his mullet and his, and his you know, his, uh, his high school letter jacket still rocking that thing and his girlfriend. And they get into the limo and the announcers are like, are you so excited to be going on this trip? And, you know, what do you think? And his response was, I I ain't never been nowhere. And they said, so you're excited. And he goes, I ain't never been nowhere. Roll Tide. That's a classic Alabama right there. I ain't never been nowhere, but roll Tide, bless God. But think about it. In Jesus' day, news traveled painstakingly slow, and so did they. Their pace of life was slow. We read in the Bible, and we see where Jesus healed one person here. And then the next verse says that he healed another person over here. And we read that like it was bang, bang. Like people are just falling out everywhere. And there's healings here and healings there. And Jesus is just going crazy and healing everybody. But most of the time when you read that, what's actually happening is Jesus does a miracle here. And then he takes the next day or two and he travels to another town. And he does another miracle over here. We read it like it happened so fast, but in reality, some of these things, they took two or three days to take place. That was the pace of their lives, and the journey, the transition from this place to that place, see, that's where the disciples really got to know Jesus. That's where they really got to connect with him. You see it in the scripture all the time where Jesus pulls the disciples to himself away from the crowds and he would reveal stuff to them that he didn't say to everybody. That happened as they were moving from town to town. See, it was the, there was so much intentionality in the pace that they traveled and the pace that they lived their lives. They took time to be with him and not just observe him doing all of these remarkable things. And listen, I, I just wonder if we're missing out if we're missing out on something in our spiritual journey because our life is too hectic and too busy and yeah, God moved, but we're on to the next thing and there's something that God is trying to teach you about the way that he moved in your life and it's not time to go to the next miracle yet. It's just time to reflect on what he's already done. I think we're missing stuff. We're missing what he wants to say to us because our life is just too hectic and we're too busy. Our souls were not meant to live at the pace that we're now living, and they definitely were not meant to be bombarded with the amount of information coming at us today. And if we don't do something, if we don't, if we don't change stuff in our life, 
and our schedules and get more intentional. I think we're going to lose the fight for our souls and our sanity and our lives. And if you don't believe me that this is a really big deal, again, just Google mental health statistics and compare them with 50 years ago and try and convince me that we don't have a problem in our world right now. And I believe God is trying to give us a divine warning. And more than just a warning, I think he's trying to give us a strategy for how we can do better and get our life back in the midst of this chaos and this, this noisy world. I think, you know, there's this segment of Christianity and, and what they really want to do is just withdraw and they just want to get away from it all. And they want to get away from the chaos and get away from the noise. And listen, one day we are going to get away from the noise. When Jesus calls us home, we are going to get away from all this chaos all around us. But until then, he told us to occupy. We live in this world. We're not of this world, but we live in this world. And there is a strategy. There's a way you can live your life that will cause you to thrive just like the children of Israel thrived in Babylon when they lived there for 70 years as foreigners and strangers. God says, you are a foreigner. You are a stranger in this world. You don't belong to the kingdoms of this world. You belong to the kingdoms of God. So that means that we have to live our lives differently. We can. We can do it. We've got to let the Holy Spirit help us. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we uh, get our, our life back on track? How do we intentionally slow things down and drown out the noise to get our lives back? I want to give you three thoughts on that today. Three thoughts to drown out the noise so that we can hear God speak. And here's the first one. If you want to drown out the noise, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. Yeah, I get it. I know what you're thinking right now. Thanks, Pastor Obvious. Yeah, sure. We need to pray, of course. Yeah, let's pray. But listen to me. Listen to me. Don't miss this. We really need to pray. Like, what if we became people who actually prayed every day instead of people who pretend to pray? People who say we're going to pray about something, but then we never do. People who pray once a week on Sundays. What if we really became people who pray? We really, really, really need to begin to pray. Here's why. Prayer, more than anything else, drowns out the noise so that our souls can reconnect to Jesus. There's nothing that does it quite like prayer. It drowns out the noise so that we can connect with Jesus. I want you to think about it. What's all the noise and the busyness in our world today producing in us? It's stuff like anxiety, right? Fear, depression, things like that. What does the Bible say? If you look at the scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. There's prayer right there. And watch this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, prayer is the thing that drowns out the noise and replaces our anxieties and fears with the peace of God that doesn't even make sense to the world. Prayer conditions our souls to really hear what Jesus wants to say to us. If I look at this, and if you look at uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, this is what Jesus said. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then again in Revelation chapter 2, verse 29, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. Check this out. Eight different times Jesus said this. He who has ears, let them hear. That tells me that Jesus is doing a whole lot of talking, but not everybody's hearing what he has to say. 
And we need to begin praying this every day over our lives and over ourselves. God, today, give me ears to hear what you are saying to me. Otherwise, the noise is going to drown out his voice and keep us distracted from him. You know, this is why I pray before I get into the message. This is why I pray before I preach. I am praying that God would open up our ears to hear his word, to hear what he wants to say to us, to really hear it, not just, not just yeah, I hear your voice, but to hear it and receive it into our lives so that we can be changed by it. It's why I pray, Lord, as your word goes forth, let the spirit go forth in power to save and heal and set free. What we're doing right now, listen to me, we are not going through the motions of some empty religious ritual. We're not going through the motions and we're not just here getting through this hour so that we can go and do the next thing in our day. We are here to hear God speak. We are here to hear the word of life. We are here so we can be changed by the word of God. That's what we're here for. It has the power to change our lives when we hear it and receive it and let it work in us. God said this in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. He said, my word will not return void. It will accomplish what I send it out to do. But in order for that word to be accomplished in your life, you've got to be receptive to it. You've got to be open to it. You've got to have a heart that is, that is fertile soil and plowed ground so the seed of the word can take root in you and produce a harvest in you. Listen to me, if you would let, really let the word of God get in, you, it would produce a harvest of transformation in your life. Some of you are struggling. You are trying so hard in your own strength and in your own might. And God is saying, if you would just get into the word and begin to live this out, the struggle would go away. And you would find that my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light for you. Amen. It's the word of God that changes our lives. And my prayer for you today is for you to become a fertile ground a fertile soil for that word to take root and make a difference in your life. It's not my words that bring transformation. It's not my wisdom that has the power to save. It's the word of God. Paul said it's the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. And that's why we pray. But we also need to pray. We need to pray not only that we would have ears to hear what Jesus wants to say to his church, but we also need to pray that the gates of hell would be pushed back out of our lives. We, we are at, we're in a spiritual war right now. We're in a spiritual battle, not with people, but with powers and principalities, the Bible says, darkness and evil forces in the heavenly realms. And we need to start praying like our life depends on it because our life does, in fact, depend on it. It really does. And not only that, we need to begin to pray for one another, for our church. Some of us are too weak in our faith right now to live in victory over the enemy. And the Bible says that we who are spiritual, we who are spiritual, we must stand in the gap with them. We must begin to intercede for them. We must pick them up when they're falling down and carry them if we can for, for a while. Jesus showed us how to do that in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. When he's talking to Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Watch this. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. See, there was a time when Peter needed to be carried. He needed to be interceded on behalf of. And Jesus is saying, and later you're going to intercede for them. You're going to pray for them. You're going to give faith to them. And see, that's what happens. We, there's a spiritual attack coming. That's what that sift you as wheat means. Jesus is telling him, Satan is coming after you. There's a spiritual attack coming. And notice Jesus didn't say, I'm not going to let him do it, Peter. 
You're lucky you're a disciple. That means you don't have to go through this. I'm going to stand in his way and I'm going to push him back. That's not what Jesus said. He said, he's going to come and he's going to try to sift you as wheat, but I'm praying for you so that your faith would not fail you. See, there's a spiritual attack going on right now in the body of Christ, in our lives, in our families, and it's, it's nonstop against us. And if you see somebody struggling in their faith, if you see somebody is going through a rough time, maybe somebody that you haven't seen at church in a while, don't ignore that. Reach out to them. Find out how you can carry one another's burdens like Paul talked about. He said, in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Find out what you can do to help out. Reach out to them, but more importantly, pray for them. Pray that their faith would not fail them. Pray and ask God to push back the gates of hell that's trying to surround them and overtake them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, Paul said, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Listen, your prayers have the power to push back the gates of hell and tear down strongholds, both in your life and in the lives of others. So what am I telling you to do? I'm telling you to pray, pray, and then pray some more. I'm asking you to learn to become a person of prayer. I'm challenging you, church family. I'm challenging you to begin to pray for one another and to begin to pray for your families and to begin to pray for our church like never before. I'm challenging you to pray before you get here on Sundays. I'm challenging you to pray that the Holy Spirit would be here and do what only He can do when we come together for worship and, and time in the Word. I'm asking you to pray for one another that they would come and they would hear the Word of the Lord so that they can be changed. I'm asking you to pray that hearts would be open and, and receptive to the transforming work of the Spirit of God. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. And it's time for His sons and daughters, sons and daughters of His house, to be what Jesus asked us to be, which is people of prayer. Amen, somebody. Amen. Come on. I'm giving you a three-part strategy for turning down the noise of the world so that you can live the life that God has called you for, called you to live. Here's the second part. We've got to dive deeper into the Word. We must pray, but we also must dive deeper into the Word. And some of you, if you're being honest today, the only time you're hearing the Word of God is on Sundays. That's it. And here's the thing. That's not enough. And I'm not saying that to be religious or whatever, like you need to do this, and here's your list of things, and here's the rules. That's not what I'm saying any of this for. I'm just telling you it's not enough because of the world that we're living in right now with all the noise and all the stuff going on. We need more of the Word of God in us, and we need it every single day. When Jesus prayed and He taught His disciples how to pray, He prayed this. He said, Lord, give us our daily bread. And he wasn't talking about physical bread. Everybody knows that Jesus was gluten-free. That's not what he was talking about. He's not saying, give me bread. He was saying, we need spiritual bread daily. We need our spiritual daily bread. And we know that because when he was under intense attack from the enemy and facing unbelievable temptation out in the wilderness, he quoted this to the devil. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from where? From the mouth of God. If you want to overcome the attacks of the enemy... You've got to start diving deeper into the Word of God. Because when you get into the Word, the Word will get into you, and that's your source of victory. 
The scripture bears this out in John chapter 1. It says that in the beginning was the Word, and in Him, the Word, Jesus, in Him was life, and that life was the light of all men. It says the light shines in the darkness, but watch this. It says the darkness has not overcome it. And so if you want to live as an overcomer, if you want to live your life as more than a conqueror, if you want to be victorious against the attacks of the enemy, you've got to start diving deeper into the Word of God and more regularly than you ever have before. When the enemy turns up the, 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 the level of attack against you, you've got to dig deeper into the Word of God. Over the last year or so, you've heard us talk about something called the 3 by 5 challenge. And I want, to, I want to just talk about that for a minute today. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when we started off this message, but the three by five challenge, it's, it's this idea that if you just spend five minutes in worship, five minutes reading scripture and five minutes in prayer a day, if you just give God 15 minutes a day, it will radically transform your life. I'm not saying only give him 15 minutes. I'm just saying if you just give him 15 minutes, it will radically transform your life. Statistically, we've seen, we've seen the stats on this. We've seen the science backing this up. That, that mental health stuff goes way down. Happiness and joy goes way up when you give God just 15 minutes of your time. Five minutes to get into his presence through worship. Five minutes to read the scripture and five minutes to pray. It makes such a big difference in our lives. And I want to encourage you to take that challenge if you haven't already. I want to encourage you to get into the word of God every day, to take time to worship, to read the scripture, and then to pray. And I've got uh, recommendations for you on how to do that on our website at lifechapel.co slash three by five or three X five. There's links there uh, to playlists on YouTube and Spotify that the music that we do, the worship that we do. So you know the songs and you can listen to that and and worship, and then there's links to the Bible app on there, and you can create a reading plan. You can, I recommend you read a chapter a day. You can read a chapter a day uh, most of the time in, in less than five minutes and even have time to write out some stuff that God might be speaking to you, and then you spend five minutes in prayer after that, praying for God to, to put his word in your heart and, and apply it to your life and, and, and just asking him to touch and minister to your needs. If you will do that, I'm telling you, you will see incredible spiritual growth in your life. But this is why diving into the Word of God matters. The more we're in the Word, the less we'll desire the noise of the world. And the more Word we get in us, the less distracted we'll live our lives. I like the way Peter said it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. He said, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. You know what that sounds like to me, those words? It sounds like the news to me. Doesn't it? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy. It's like, you know what else it sounds like? It sounds like your social media feed. Hypocrisy, envy, slander. Come on. Come on. You know it's true. What does the Bible say? It says rid yourselves of that. Get that out of your life. Get it out. Rid yourself of that. And then he goes on, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. What is he talking about? What is pure spiritual milk? That's the word of God. See, there's a stark difference between the Word of God and the noise of the world. So get the noise of the world out. Get the Word of God in. And then he says, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. What's he saying? By the Word of God, you can develop in your faith. By the Word of God, you can, you can grow in your faith. You can begin to overcome the attacks of the enemy. It's the Word of God getting in you. It causes you to grow in your salvation. Then he says, now that you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. What's he saying? 
He's saying, as you taste the word of God, if you taste the things of God, you're going to desire that more and more, more than anything else that's trying to feed your soul. See, whatever we feed ourselves on, we develop a greater appetite for. And so if we're steady feeding ourselves a diet of Facebook and Instagram and Fox News, our souls are going to crave more and more and more of that, more slander, more gossip, more hypocrisy, more opportunity for the enemy to get into our minds and twist and manipulate what we see in here. No wonder we're not interested in reading the Bible as the people of God. No wonder stat after stat, study after study shows that the church is becoming more and more biblically illiterate. The scripture calls this book the word of truth, and we've conditioned our souls to crave the lies and the deception of the world instead of the pure truth that comes from the word of God. See, this book, the Bible, it frames our thinking. It reveals the mind of Christ, the mind of God regarding our lives and the culture that we live in. You want to know, how should I think about these things that I see happening in my world? How should I respond to these things? The Word of God informs us in that. Not the, not the news that you follow, not your friend on social media. The Word of God tells us how to think and how to interpret what we're seeing in our world today. We've got to dive deeper into the Word of God. So what's the strategy for drowning out the noise and Getting our life back. Number one, we need to pray. Number two, we need to dive deeper into the word. And here's the third one. Number three, we must learn to discern. And when I say discern, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about discerning the difference between the voice of God and the voices of the world. See, one of the devil's tricks in this age that we're living in right now is to make God's voice equal with every other voice. Just cause his voice to blend in with all the other noise that's happening every single day in our lives. And as Christians, we can't let this happen. It's essential that we recognize the difference between the voice of God and the voices of this world. It's essential because our souls are depending on it. So how do you do that? Because that's not an easy thing to do. We talk about hearing God's voice, and, and the reality is that's a struggle. There are many times in my life when I feel like I've heard God, but I'm not totally sure that was God. You know, was that just me? Was that the devil trying to trip me up? It's hard to discern God's word. So how do you differentiate between the voice of God and the voice of the world? To answer that, I think we've got to learn how to tune our spiritual ears to hear the Spirit of God when He speaks. I'm old enough to remember the old uh, car radios that had a tuning knob on them. Anybody, you remember what I'm talking about? Come on, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Don't be embarrassed. Come on, those are the glory days. Yeah, now, you know, we've got XM radio in our cars, and we've got smart cars that just, you know, they play what you want to hear somehow without even doing anything. It's just, oh, I love this song, you know. It's kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> what was it? Wilson Phillips, right? So, yeah, okay. So here in the office, Jessica's my administrative assistant. I, I'm a random music person, okay? And most of the time I'm singing worship, but the other day I was like, hold on for one more day. If you hold on. You know, Wilson Phillips, you know what I'm talking about? 1990. Come on. And I was singing it. And then Jessica said, like, over the next week, every time she got in her car, that song was on. It's like, it knows. Stop singing that song. It knows. 
But when I was a kid, if I was traveling somewhere with my dad in his old pickup, and we were going from South Georgia town to South Georgia town trying to get to my grandparents' house or trying to get somewhere, you know, we would, we would always want to hear the Braves game or the Georgia Bulldogs game. And we knew when we were there, we, we, we'd get on the AM dial and we're, we're searching around because every town you came into, there's another AM station that carries it. So you're constantly having to move. And, you know, and, 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 and we knew when we landed on the right station because we recognized the voice. Oh, those are the, those are the Braves announcers. I recognize their voice. That's the legendary voice of the Georgia Bulldogs, Larry Munson. The dogs have the ball on the 20-yard line. And, you know, and it just makes you so happy. You know? and, and we would find it, and we'd be, oh, there it is, there it is. And to find it, you know, you'd have to tweak with it. And, and there's all this frequency stuff and <sighs> static, and this station's trying to come in, and you had to get it just right, and then you would hear the voice, and, and you're like, that's the one, that's what I'm trying to hear. Listen, it's the same way when we're tuning our ears to hear the voice of God. First of all, you've got to know what voice you're listening for. And second of all, you've got to have a desire to hear his voice speak. And then you've got to work that knob. And you've got to keep drowning out the noise of the world from over here and the noise of the world from over here. You've got to keep drowning out all those stations vying for your time and attention and and trying to distract you so that you can get on that frequency where God is speaking. Look again at what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2, verse 29. He said, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. You've heard me say this so many times, but the church is not a building and it's not an organization. The church is the people of God. So what is Jesus saying? You need to have ears to hear what the Spirit wants to say to you, to me. We're the church. What does God want to say to us? And how do you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking? What differentiates his voice from all the other voices? Well, number one, the Spirit never speaks anything contrary to what the Scripture says. I'm going to say that again because that is huge. If you want to be someone who hears God speak to you, you need to know that the Spirit never speaks anything contrary to what the Scripture says. In other words, God is not going to speak something different to you than what He's already spoken in His Word. He is not the author of confusion, and He never contradicts Himself. In Psalm chapter 33, verse 11, the Bible says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart, watch this, they extend to all generations. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, he said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. See, his word, the word of God, the Bible, what we have, it is his voice spoken to us. And when the spirit of God speaks to us, he's not contradicting what God has already said in his word. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, he's confirming what God has already said in his word. And when he speaks, what he's doing is he is helping us apply God's word to our circumstances and our situations. There's another scripture that bears this out. I want to give you quickly in 2 Timothy 3 and 16. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And he says, listen, you got to know this. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? Verse 17. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, when you don't know what to do and you're facing a situation and a circumstance and you honestly, you don't know how you should proceed, the Holy Spirit will remind you of what God has already revealed to you in his word. He will bring those scriptures to your mind and then he will literally show you a pathway and how to walk that scripture out. How do you know when it's the Spirit of God speaking? Here's another thing, another way. The Spirit only speaks what is true. He never contradicts the Scripture, and He only speaks what is true. 
John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said this. He said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. All the truth. He'll guide you into the truth. So check this out. The Holy Spirit does not speak in order to validate your opinions. The Holy Spirit does not speak in order to validate your feelings. I've heard some of you say it. Like God told me, and all you're doing is repeating your feelings and your emotions and trying to put a spiritual spin on it. God does not speak to validate your opinions, nor does he speak to validate your feelings and emotions because, see, sometimes your emotions will lie to you, and they will make you believe a lie instead of the truth. You'll believe something like, that person doesn't like me. How do you know? Well, they didn't look at me when I came into church today. Okay. Okay. That person is mad at me. How do you know? Well, they didn't text me back, and it's been like five minutes. You guys know you do that, too. You know you do. Come on. You get in those feelings. See, your emotions will lie to you, and they will cause you to believe something that is not true. But thank God we have an advocate called the Holy Spirit who does not come to validate the lies of the enemy. He comes to reveal the truth of God. He comes to bring correction when we need it. And he comes to help us keep our emotions in check so that we can live in the truth. Because when we live in the truth, according to Jesus, we live in the freedom that comes from living in the truth. When the Holy Spirit speaks, he exposes the lies and brings us back to the place of truth. But first, you've got to learn how to tune into his voice. Otherwise, the enemy is going to have a field day in your mind, causing you to believe every lie and chase every single myth that he throws your way. How do we know that it's the voice of God? How do we know what the voice of God sounds like? When the Spirit of God begins to speak, here's the third way. When the Spirit speaks, he helps us become more like Jesus. When the Spirit speaks to us, he helps us become more like Jesus. He doesn't contradict the Scripture. That's first. He only speaks what is true. That means sometimes your feelings and opinions, he's going to throw those under the bus. And thirdly, he's going to help you become more like Jesus. This is what Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, verse 26. He said, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. See, the Holy Spirit does not come to exalt himself. He comes to exalt Jesus Christ. He works in us to make us more like Jesus. And when he speaks, he reminds us of what Jesus would say and what Jesus would do and how Jesus would handle a situation. Sometimes we get in our flesh and you know what I'm talking about and you kind of go off on somebody and you shouldn't have done that. And the Holy Spirit's like, you shouldn't have done that. And you're like, why not? They deserved it. And he's like, because that ain't what Jesus would have done, man. That's his voice in me when he hears. I'm very tuned in with that. Come on, man. He sounds like a 60-year-old smoker. Come on, man. Just kidding. It's a very sweet voice. Very, very melodic. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 26. One chapter over. He says it again. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, watch this, he will testify about me. Listen, when you hear him speak, he will testify to Jesus. And if you will hear him and put what he says into practice, they will cause you to become more like Jesus. That's one way you know that you're hearing God. If the decisions you're making are not causing you to become more like Jesus, you are not hearing from the Lord. When we don't know what to do, we have an advocate, a counselor, a comforter, 
called the Holy Spirit, and he speaks and guides us and causes us to become more like Jesus. But in order to hear him, we've got to get that tuning dial off of the things of the world so that we can get tuned into his voice. I want the band to come up and, get, and begin to play softly as we get ready to close today. In fact, stand with me all across the room. There's so much noise in our world today. There's so much going on constantly, just pulling and tugging at us for our attention. And God wants to help us get our lives back. He wants to help us live the life that he's called us to live. But in order for that to happen, we've got to get more intentional. We've got to get more intentional about turning down the noise of the world so that we can turn up the voice of God, so that we can hear him, so that we have ears to hear what he's trying to say to us. And honestly, I, I think that this thing that needs to happen, turning down the noise of the world so that we can turn up the voice of Jesus, this happens naturally when we really fall in love with Jesus. That's where it happens. When you really get beyond yourself, and your wants and your desires and the world that you're trying to create for yourself, and you really say, Jesus, you're more important to me than anything else, then you'll start to hear his voice so clearly. And you won't even desire the noise of the world anymore. It won't matter to you anymore because there's one focus, there's one love, and it's Jesus, and everything else flows from that. It happens naturally when we fall in love with Jesus. That, that taste where he, Paul wrote, taste and see that the Lord is good. That taste becomes a hunger. A hunger for more of God. A never-ending hunger for more of God. A, a never-ending thirst. I want more. I want more. I want more of God. Nothing else is going to satisfy. Nothing. Nothing but more of Jesus. Because he's the one that I'm in love with. And I get the feeling that that's where a lot of us are today. That's where you are. You know, we can talk about a strategy for like your phone time and I'm not going to take it to bed with me and it's not going to be the first thing I look at when I get up in the morning and I'm not going to have it when I'm eating meals and I'm not going to look at it while I'm driving. Please, please don't do that. We can talk about a practical strategy, but listen, all of that takes care of itself when we fall in love with Jesus. That's just the truth of the matter. That's the real issue. I think so many of us, we just need to fall in love with Jesus again. We need to fall in love with his word again, where we're craving it like pure spiritual milk. We need to fall in love with his presence again. Listen, there's nothing like his presence. His presence ministers to our souls. It sanctifies us, the Bible says. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's what the presence of God does. It pulls us into the things of God and the things of this world. They just go away because we're fixated on the only one who really matters, which is Jesus Christ. It's all about falling in love with him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me all across the room right now. And I want you right now just to begin to invite his presence right now not only into this place and into this room, but into your hearts. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have your way. We invite you, Lord. We invite you. We invite you, Lord. We invite your presence, God. We invite your presence. Come and have your way in me, Lord. God, I'm tired of chasing down the things of the world. I'm tired of chasing down news and information. I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm tired of trying to figure out what's going on with everybody. I'm tired of trying to stay up to date on my news feed and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and what this one said and what that one said and what this one's doing and what that one's doing. And look, they're on vacation and I'm not. And look, they've got this going on and I'm not. And look, they're happy and I'm unhappy. Look, they've got a perfect family and I don't. I'm tired of living that life where I'm comparing myself and envy and there's slander and there's hypocrisy and all these things that the enemy is using to, to, to manipulate and and, and, and disguise the, 
the real way that I'm supposed to be living my life. I'm tired of living my life that way and I want more of you, Jesus. Come in your power, Lord. Come in your grace, Lord. Fill us with your presence again. Let me ask you, what are you tuned into right now? What have you been allowing to fill your soul? Is it the noise of the world or is it the voice of God? What do you run into? That scripture I read in Daniel chapter 12 says that as knowledge and information increases and multiplies, men are going to run to and fro. They're going to run from this to that. Is that the life you've been living? Are you living in this hectic, like I'm running from here, there, and everywhere? Or are you able to just rest and find your place of rest in the presence of God? Lord, that's what we want today. That's what we want. I hear the, the Spirit saying, return to me today with all of your heart. Don't forsake me any longer. Don't forsake your first love. Return to me and I'll return to you. Come to me, says the Lord, and I will come to you. Lord, fill us up with your presence today. As the band leads us in this song, I want you just to make room for him. Give him space right now.